You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing and uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take it with shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. Second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. How the hell are you? <laughs> Doing pretty good, Shane. We're good. I know why you're down. We'll get to that in just a minute, but... We got a lot of action to get into, Shane. You ready to just go? Uh, let's let's just get into it. Let's do it, buddy. All right, Shane. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll kind of get to that Tennessee game here in a minute, but there was kind of bigger games here, more important games, I'd have to say. Uh, and I want to start here in Austin, Texas, Shane. LSU. We've been hyping them up all off season, mm-hmm. and I know you were very high on them coming into this game, a little bit higher than I was. But uh, man. For people that was not aware of what was going on in Baton Rouge, uh, the offense is for real Shane. Joe Burrow, 471 yards passing, four touchdowns. He did have an interception, but uh, LSU travels to Austin, comes away with a 45-38 win. Your lock of the week, at least you got your bet right, Shane, so you got to <laughs> yeah. give you that. Uh, impressions of LSU, man, going out on the road, and I thought – you know, I thought Texas looked pretty good too, but yeah, LSU at no point I thought was going to lose this game either. How many times have you said in the past, you know what, LSU's offense really won this game? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a total flip of the coin here. This offense is legit, and, you know, they had a cupcake team to get started with, but this Texas game was so important for this offense and the development that it makes me more confident in them going into conference play, you know? Mm-hmm. How about this stat, Shane? LSU, obviously Joe Burrow, he broke the school record there for passing touchdowns in the first game. He did it in the first half. In this game, Shane, LSU has never had three players have 100 yards or more receiving and a 100-yard rusher in the same game. Mm. They, they did that in this one. And, again, they're doing it against, you know, I don't really buy into the preseason rankings, but – Texas was a ranked as a top 10 team coming in here. So that just mm-hmm. makes it all the more impressive doing it on the road. And uh, how about, Shane, to close out the game? I mean, they had an option here to try to run out the clock, punt it, and play some defense like LSU <laughs> always has. And what they do, they went to the damn air, and Joe Burrow, he delivered another – the last touchdown, the, the one that iced the game. Wait, I, I'm sorry. I, I was expecting a clip. What would you say? 
just the fact that they, you know, could have tried to run out the clock and punt it, but instead of that, they can say, let's fucking throw this ball. And that's when Joe Burrow threw his last touch. That was the one where, like, he... Oh, yeah. Who was that to, by the way? Uh, I, I think it was to Jefferson. Yeah, Mike. I'm going to tell you, man, Shane was down and out, buddy. Still a little down and out. <laughs> but I switched over to this game because I'm like, damn, this thing can't. I, I mean, you got to remember the spread was six points. So this was going to be a push. Right. And as soon as I turned it over, it's third and 17. Jefferson going down the sideline. I was like, well, there is that, you know. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I was, I was uh, a little bit more ecstatic after going forward on that one. Hey, let me ask you something, Mike. I got to ask because, you know, I've been, I've been complaining about these parents, you know, in the audience. <laughs> But you know what's worse than parents in the audience? What's that? Matthew McConaughey on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the mascot all of a sudden. <laughs> you know, Sher, where I thought you were going with that, I don't know if you saw this leading up to the game, but right before it kicked off, some people were not getting our parent jokes on Twitter. They were getting mad at me for pointing it out. But Sam Etlinger and Joe Burrow, not only did, they, did we get to see their parents about two dozen times during this game but uh, they even introduced him you know how that like in the nfl they'll have tom brady come out there and say tom brady michigan it was the damn parents of both these quarterbacks came out and introduced him and i'm just like (laughs) what are we doing here people exactly man this is this is getting a little ridiculous mike all right shane so we were talking about that offense that's kind of what everyone wants to talk about coach let's jump to what he had to say about his offense and the decision for LSU to go to the air on this final possession. And uh, Joe Burrow also wanted to throw in his clips because, man, this guy is just uh, – I'd say he's a little cocky. He's got a ton of confidence, <laughs> and he's got all the reason in the world to have that right now. Yeah, I felt so. I felt especially the quarterback and the receivers that we have. But, you know, what? The, the calling with Steve Esming and Joe Brady and the um, the game plan it was phenomenal. And they had him. And they had him. They felt like they could – look over and get get us in the right play according to the coverage they did. They did it so many times. But you know what? Give the plays uh, the credit to our players. The plays that they make were phenomenal. Yes, what, do you see, what do you see on third and 17 when Trey brother in? Yeah. Did you Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Because, you know, I knew when they get the ball back there, we, we couldn't stop them. I mean, just to be honest, we couldn't stop them. And then they got the ball back, I think it would have been a different story. So uh, it was a phenomenal call, a phenomenal catch, phenomenal play. The mentality to have a six-point lead on the road in a place like this and going to the shotgun on first yeah. and throw the football yeah. as opposed to what you did in the past. Yeah, yeah. We, we felt like, first of all, we felt like we can do it. Second of all, we felt like we had to score another touchdown. We didn't feel like that six-point lead was good enough, and we had to go up two touchdowns to win the game, and that was that was the thinking. What, yeah, you know, here you look at Marshall and Chase. Uh, Marshall was the number one receiver in the country. Uh, Jamar Chase is the number one player in the state of Louisiana coming back. And so we knew they were good players. But, you know, we're, we're, I'm so proud of this offense. We're able to give them the ball in space and let them make plays. And Joe, with a six-point lead on the road to go to the shotgun and throw it on first down and, and that aggressive mentality. LSU. You're not used to that one, huh? <laughs> How different is that from, from the past? Yeah, it's uh, definitely different from what we did last year. I think we would have kind of tried to pound the pound the run game and you know eat up that clock and you saw it last year against Texas A&M we didn't get the job done and they ended up scoring so I think you know we wanted to go in that drive being aggressive and it paid off all right Shane is it too bold for me to say 
I know it's early. I'm not saying let's. I'm not crowning these guys right now, but I like to just go off what we've seen in 2019. Joe Burrow, after two weeks, is the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Man, that is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because there's some other great quarterbacks out there. I, I I don't know. I don't think you're crazy. It really depends on how the season plays. You know, this may be one of those situations. Whoever's undefeated by the end of the season is going to win the Heisman. And and the way that Burrow is going now, he's got a great opportunity for sure. And last thing, we gotta we can't just talk all about the offense, Shane. How about this? I thought uh, it, it didn't turn out to be one of the defining plays of the game because the defense kind of broke down in the second half. But LSU, back-to-back drive, Shane, stuffed Texas on the goal line. Mm-hmm. Te- Texas went for it on a fourth and goal, got stuffed, and that's when uh, Joe Burrow threw an interception shortly after. So the, the defense had to come right back out there, defend the goal line, and guess what? The Tigers did it four times in a row against a quarterback, some people saying the new Tebow. Uh, <laughs> Tebow would have got in the end zone, and, and Etlinger in Texas didn't because that, that LSU defense stuffed their ass. Other than the third down play, obviously my favorite two series right here. Nothing beats a good goal line stand, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, a lot of people like these methodical drives all the way down the field. Not me. I like these goal line stands. The defense came out there. They got the job done. Uh, speaking of parents, did you see Etlinger's mom? She was celebrating. Somebody had to let her know that the kid <laughs> dropped the ball. And then next thing you know, they come right back out and they do it again. So that's the LSU I know, and uh, that was exciting. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump to the other big game of the day here. Didn't quite live up to the hype. A lot of that had to do with Kellen Mon. Uh, Clemson, number one team in the nation, comes away with a 24-10 win over Texas A&M. Uh, Kellen Mond's stats at the end of the day don't look too bad. 24-42 of 42 for 236 and a touchdown with one interception. But this is probably the shakiest I've seen Kellen Mond since he's named the starter, since he's mm-hmm. been playing under Jimbo Fisher. And I don't want to say the moment was too big for him because obviously we've seen him in similar situations play really well, but I man, I think the Aggies are shaking their head at uh, what could have been if Kellen Mond had a better game here. Yeah. The, I mean, he was just – he was not there, man. He was not comfortable. He was throwing way too high. And I, I can't put all the fault on him because, you know, there was a lot of pressure. Kudos to Clemson for putting up the pressure and, and making sure that he stayed rattled that first half, mm-hmm. especially, you know. Um this one right here is a game that Texas A&M just had to play perfect, man. And and Mon was not perfect. You know, that fumble, that costly fumble, man. Yep. It, it seemed like that changed the, the whole, I don't know, the feel of the game after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, A&M with two turnovers, Clemson with none. You just can't go on the road and beat a team of this caliber with the negative two in the turnover category. They're, they're just You're just not good enough. You know what I mean? But Absolutely. I really think – I know Clemson scored 24, but I think if you would have told me going into that game that uh, A&M holds them to 24 points and turns the ball over twice, I wouldn't think that uh, – I don't know. I would have think Clemson scored a lot more. So I think Aggies held really well. Uh, they were just – you know, they just weren't getting enough help. 
And mm-hmm. uh, some of these Clemson receivers, we knew how good they were, but they really – I mean, there's just no defending them for 60 minutes. You can defend them for much of the game, but they're going to win a lot of these 50-50 battles, and that's kind of that was kind of the deciding factor, I thought, in the game. Yeah, well, don't don't discredit Lawrence either. I mean, I mean, some of the damn plays he made was just out of this world. I mean, he showed why he's a potential Heisman candidate, you know? Mm-hmm. That one time I thought he was going to get drilled, and all of a sudden, like six cents, he knew somebody was there, and he gets out of the situation, you know? Any other quarterback probably would have got drilled, probably would have lost the ball. I mean, this guy's, this guy's on another level. So uh, kudos to the offense. The defense – they did, damn, they did their best. They really did, and uh, they just fell short, man, because Mon could not get anything going there in the first half. Yeah, and the Aggies only had uh, 53 rushing yards on 27 carries. That's not getting it done either. They really needed to be a lot more balanced to compete in this one. Uh, so let's flip over here, Shane, to Jimbo Fisher. Asked about Kellen's Mond, uh, his performance in this game, and uh, his Aggie defense. And he wasn't very critical of Mon, but I, I think behind closed doors, maybe a different story. First thoughts about the way uh, Kellen's performance today? Well, I thought he started off, I mean, he had a couple of throws early that he, you know, couldn't get in a groove. And then we dropped one off the bat, then we missed one. And, you know, just a hair high here, here, here. And then, then he started getting in the groove. And then we got some protection and, you know, he kept battling and playing well. But I didn't think he was in sync early with just, just a hair off. Or when he was in sync, we were dropping the ball. Or as an offense, we were out of sync. You know what I'm saying? And he, you know, many kept battling and played hard. Did you think the defense played well? Listen, we didn't win, so there ain't no offense, defense. One side wins good enough. Texas A&M didn't play well enough to win the game, so no, none of us did. And uh, as a team, you do whatever you have to do. But I think we, I didn't. I thought we played really well at times on defense. I thought they played hard. I thought we played physical. I uh, guess gave up some big plays at the wrong time and a big drive. Uh, and some things, but I thought they had their moments. Offense had a few moments, and you know we got to play better as a team. All right, Shane. So Jimbo, you know, not really going in on Kellen Mond. Not saying that he should have by any means, because he's gonna he's gonna need Kellen Mond here to if they're gonna beat the likes of Auburn and Alabama mm-hmm. and LSU. So he's not trying to bury the kid, but I think deep down he knows uh, Kellen Mond's got much better performances in him than we saw on Saturday. Just wasn't ready, man. That's that's all all it boiled down to, you know. Compared to last year, he was so much more. I don't know. He was just settled down. Like I don't know if it was the home field, you know, because Death Valley was jumping, man, you know. So I don't know if if he was just a little rattled about the the entire environment. But this is a game they've had circled for over a year now. They knew they were going to play these guys, and you know, big stage. He just he didn't come through. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing I, I do want to add, I know this is a huge game, and like you said, they've been looking forward to it all year, but by no means is this to find their season. season. Yeah, I mean, it's not even a conference game, so, I mean, they, they still have everything in front of them. I know you're not going to be encouraged losing by two touchdowns, but like I said, Shane, you, you have two turnovers, you don't force any, and your quarterback plays the worst game he's played in, in two seasons. You nearly play, you know, with the number one team in the nation. I think there are signs, particularly on defense, you can get some confidence in this one and just say, man, if we just play a little bit better, we can I mean, we could play with anybody. Dude, they hung with them. There were some times that this game could have went back the other way. For starters, how about that safety? You know, I've never seen a damn jumbled up mess like that in my entire life. So if, if for people that didn't watch this game, let me just run this one back for you. There's a safety called on the field, okay? Mm-hmm. 
flag comes out. The flag is that there's 12 men on this field. So they go back and they show the replays. And every replay, guess what? There is nowhere near 12 men on this field. There's all 11, every, every angle you take. So then they come back and they says, okay, there was 11 guys on the field, but the whistle blew before the state. I'm like, what are we doing here? I've never seen something so shady in my entire life. And that could have been, I don't know, that that could have been the spark that they needed, you know, getting the safety, get another touchdown. I mean, it could have led to something, but when you have little things like that, look, like I said, Texas A&M had to play a perfect game, and they did really – I thought they did well against the national champs, man. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if they were playing against Saturday and the nerves were settled and they were on a neutral side or something like that, I think this would have been a closer game. Yeah, now Clemson beat A&M. Now they've got one test remaining, Shane. <laughs> the final game of the damn season against South Carolina – Ryan Holinsky, he's our only Come hope. Come on, Holinsky. <laughs> he's our only hope. We'll get to Ryan Holinsky here in a little bit, but uh, that's it's kind of depressing to think about, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Um, because they, they, I mean, I have looked at schedule. It's ridiculous what they got to go through. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going to see these guys in the playoffs. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Oxford where Ole Miss took care of business. You nailed this one. I got it way wrong. Ole Miss comes away with the SEC win over Arkansas, 31-17, Shane. And, man, I'm just shaking my head after this performance. Rewatch this game on Sunday morning after, you know, eyeing it all Saturday night. But there was five, six games on at once, so I really had to kind of dig deep here and watch it again. And, man, it was worse on second viewing, Shane. I, I've got <laughs> – I was already kind of low on Chad Morris, and I'm not saying they should go out and fire him today or anything, but it just looks like too big, too big of a job for him. I mean, his offense—I don't know what the hell they're doing. And it, the score says they only lost by two touchdowns, but I mean, they showed nothing in nah. this game, and particularly in the nah. first half when they got Ben Hicks out there. there once again, Shane, same thing you were worried about. They're just yo-yoing these damn quarterbacks. They got—they mm-hmm. don't know what the hell they're doing there, and it's just. This is this is probably going to be the worst SEC team that Arkansas faces during Chad Morris's entire tenure, whether it's yeah. just these two years or the next ten years, <laughs> and they just got <laughs> blown off the field. So I don't know. I'm just I'm just at a loss of words here for what Chad Morris is doing. Well, I will say this, Mike: if anybody can relate to an Arkansas fan, it's a Tennessee fan, <laughs> and I we're down there, buddy. We are down there in the dirt at the bottom with, I mean, it's just, it's Morris created this monster and now he's surprised that it's biting him in the ass, you know, uh, kudos to Ole Miss defense. You know, if you honestly, out of these last two games, if you take off that stupid penalty against uh, Memphis and you take that garbage touchdown out, this defense has only allowed nine points in the, in the first two games of the season. I mean, c- compared to the where they were last year, I tell you this: this, what's his name? What's the defensive coordinator there? Mike McIntyre, who I th- I think he's uh, in the running already for buyer of the year. Yeah, absolutely. If things don't work out, Luke, don't be surprised if he ain't the one taking the reins because what he's done with the defense is extremely impressive. Now, what Morris has done with his offense is the exact opposite. You know, this this quarterback limbo, it, it's not going to work, and he's wondering why after a, a devastating loss like they had, he's getting questioned about it. Yeah, I mean, 
It's time, Shade. It's just turn them keys over to Nick Starkle. Arkansas's got two non-conference games here coming up before they play the Aggies. If they've got any chance in hell against Texas A&M, and they, they gave A&M a good fight last year. I think A&M's a little bit better this year, but mm-hmm. they've got to turn this thing over to Nick Starkle. Quit screwing around with the offense. I don't. That's their only hope. And uh, the, even their defense kind of gave way a little bit here. You got to give credit to Matt Corral and Rich Rodriguez. They had a real nice bounce back performance here. And I don't know how much of this game you got to watch, like I did, Shane. But it seemed like damn Matt Corral, he threw the ball 24 times. I I want to say. He was rolling out on about 23 of them. <laughs> I mean, they they found something where he's comfortable rolling the ball and throwing it out. And uh, he, he had a hell of a game. He, he did have the bad fumble that uh, got Arkansas kind of some life here in the second half, but they couldn't do much with it. Mm-hmm. Scott, Scotty Phillips, man, he had a hell of a day. 143 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Elijah Moore, seven catches, 130 and two touchdowns. Yeah, I've, I've been down on Ole Miss all offseason, but – I uh, got to credit the, this team, and now they got another cupcake coming up here. So two and one, Shane. That's a hell of a lot better than one and three. And uh, Ole Miss got some momentum here. I I think uh, they deserve some some praise here for this performance. After this one, let's kick it over to Matt Luke on his team just responding to the big win uh, and what this win does for his program moving forward. And then on the flip side, we can kick it over to Chad Morris who's at a damn loss for words. He don't want to talk about the quarterback situation. No no shit. We heard that before. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It, it's just night and day difference here. Just how critical was it for these guys to get that win, get to 1-0 and SEC, and kind of just get back on the right track to where you guys want to no, go? This was, this was a big game. You know, we were saying, you know, people were saying, is this a must win on Monday? And, uh, and I don't necessarily think that, but – I'm proud that these guys continue to battle and fight out of this cloud we've been under and keep keep fighting. And I think it's good for our, our fans to have something good, to have an exciting night in our stadium to try to build on and move forward. Matt, kind of a two-part question here. Obviously, it's you have a young team that hasn't had a lot of you know success yet to build on. Does, was it difficult this week to block out some of the noise and then getting this win, does it kind of – let you guys exhale a little bit and kind of continue the building process without some of that angst? Well, I, I, you, just, uh, you just want them to keep working and believe in what they're doing because they have put a lot of work in, and these guys have worked really hard, and you want them to believe in that process that, they, hey, what, what, what I'm doing is working. And I think that gives validation to them. So, okay, I, I know this is going to work and, uh, and have that confidence, especially for these, these young guys. And, and I think uh, – you know, there was there was a confident group in the locker room tonight, and I think again they'll they'll just continue to get better and better, and that's the goal is to keep building. Going off that, Matt, have you seen after these last two weeks the defense kind of start to embody that attitude now that they've had that success a couple of games in a row? Yeah, I mean, I mean that that's just the, that's the mindset is, is how can we get better next week? You know, not who we play, but how we play, and, and continue to get better. Let's you know that's, that was the thought last week. Hey, let's build off the defensive performance and. Let's go play better offensively, and I thought we did that tonight. And I just want these uh, young guys to keep playing and getting better, and the defense to keep keep work, you know, keep working and, and getting better. I love that start in the second half. And see your starter now, or who starts next week? Well, we're not going to not going to address that right now. Um, this isn't the time or place right now to address it. Um, we'll get back and evaluate like we always do. Um, I was I thought that we needed a spark to start the second half. Um, I thought uh, it was unfair to Ben at times. Um, 
you know, we uh, we had a couple busts on some routes. Uh, we had a couple drops, um, and we missed missed that ball right down the middle. And I just I just thought that it was time, I, and we needed a spark. And I and I wanted to see who could who could kind of give us a get us a kick start in, in their offense in the second half. I, you know, again, I, I thought that uh, I thought he threw the ball well. Um, had had a couple mistakes um, that uh, we had a had a trick called and, and uh, was to the right and he threw it to the left. Uh, but that you know, again, those those things happen at times. But uh, I, I thought he threw the ball well. Well, we'll just we're just going to step back from tonight. We're going to get back in there tomorrow and reevaluate things and, and, and make a decision. That's uh, that's what's best for this football team. Well, we were settled on a quarterback. Yeah. I I didn't say that. I said that we would go back in and we reevaluate and we'll, we'll see and then we'll we'll make a decision at that point. So what did Starkle give to you? I, I, yeah, I thought he provided a spark. Um, I thought he threw the ball well, but the ball came out of his hand. We were moving the football a little bit with him. How are you entering wise? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I think he, he took a pretty good hit, but he was he was fine in the locker room. Which was your message to the guys? Yeah, I, I just you know my, my message was was real was real simple and brief and, and to the point. It's uh, um, that it's 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 all about a response. It's. A year ago, that this happened to us, and, and it, 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 uh, we let we let one team beat us beat us a few times, and uh, we got to respond, and uh, you know, we're going to demand on our, our our seniors they've been in this situation before to help us out, and uh, these guys will come in and respond, and we'll be back to work tomorrow. That was my message. All right, Shane. So Matt Luke's fired up about uh, the progress there being made in Oxford, and he's been saying it all week. A lot of these coaches say it. You make the biggest improvement from week one to week two, and I think that's true if you got good coaches. And Ole Miss uh, clearly they do. In Arkansas, maybe not so much. Uh, thoughts on uh, what these two had to say? Do you think is is Morris calling the plays? Is he is he like the coordinator here? Well, they say he says he's not. He said it's Joe Craddock, the, the is the offensive coordinator calling the plays, and I think he just you know listens in and then makes suggestions and whatnot. But I mean, it's his offense, and I and I think Craddock's calling it with with Morris just with a close ear on it. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's, it's, this quarterback thing just dumbfounds me, and it, it it happened last year. It's almost like Morris doesn't want to hurt Ben Hicks's feelings. You know, you you know Ben Hicks. Ben Hicks has had plenty of opportunities, okay? He started the game both times and couldn't do anything. I mean, hell, they couldn't do anything for three quarters. I think, it, you know, it was just – it was garbage. And then second half, Starkle comes in. You know, yeah, he got a garbage touchdown, but at least he showed a little bit of production, you know. So it's just like almost just cut the cord, man, okay? You're going to have to make bad decisions. Maybe you don't want to hurt his feelings or whatever, but if you don't correct it now, I'm telling you, man, about six, seven more of these games, they're going to be completely out on Morris if they're not already. Mm -hmm. Now, there was another touchdown that was taken off the board in this game that was a huge momentum swing with Nick Starkle connected with to uh, yes, Trey Knox, but and it was because uh, there was a tight end that was getting covered up and he ran downfield, and they were blaming that on – 
or at least some of the announcers were saying that's on the quarterback for, I don't know why it's on the quarterback to let the tight end know that, but uh, so those are the things maybe that that's why they want Ben Hicks out there. But I think you just have to go with the guy with the more potential and the, and the guy that can potentially change the game for you. Yeah. Uh, you can't, you just can't go with the guy that's making all the checks and, <laughs> and yeah. putting people in position to not do anything. You know what? Yeah, no, that I forgot about that one. I think it was like 10-3 when that was going on, so that was a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Knox, man, I mean, you got to feel good about Knox. He's been productive the last two games mm-hmm. with what he's had to work with. Yeah, they've got some talent there, Shane, but they just, I don't know, they need to open it up, and, I, and that's what Nick Starkle does to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, we've been holding this one off long enough. Wanted to get your thoughts. Let's jump on down to Rocky Top, where we we put a manhunt on you on Saturday night to try to track you down. Couldn't locate you, so you can't hide any longer here. <laughs> Tennessee falls to BYU a double overtime, 29-26, in a game that uh, they completely controlled up until about 13 seconds left in the game. Uh, what's uh, the big Tennessee homer thoughts on, on just the, the latest epic collapse here on Rocky Top? You know, Mike, the thing about this one is I got excited there at the end. I think that's why it hurt so much. When it, when we got there, 20 seconds left, 30 seconds left, 20, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and and, and they're, they're out of timeouts and they're having to do something real quick. You know, it's like I was premature, man. I celebrated early. And I know it's a rookie mistake when you're a Tennessee fan, but I did it. <laughs> and then next thing you know – I'm seeing this cat run down, what was it, like 70 yards down the field, got him in there, 60-something yard pass there at the end. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and the guy's name, you probably don't know him, his name's Micah Simon, okay? The reason I know Micah Simon is he's the only one catch, catching the damn ball during the entire game, you know? So I thought, you know, Shane, myself, that when this is coming down to the – to the wire, who do I think they're going to throw it to? Micah. They're going to throw it to Micah. And he's not going to do a 10-yard route or a 15-yard out. He's getting vertical. They're going to get him the ball. And it, it just blew my freaking mind. I thought he was gone. And honestly, I wish he would have scored a touchdown so I wouldn't have to go through that <laughs> overtime bullshit. But I'm going to tell you, this one is just – I'm out, man. I'm not out. I love Vols. I'm going to watch him every Saturday. <laughs> You know, in fact, I'm hoping that Chattanooga is looking ahead to uh, James Madison so we could catch him in a track game. You know what I'm saying? That's where I'm at with this program right now. It is just a freaking joke. We there were some great things, but the one thing that really got me upset and, and hell, it got everybody upset is Jared Garantano. He is not our guy. I wish that man would have kicked a locker room or a locker when he went in the locker room. You know what I'm saying? And then next thing you know, maybe we can give some of these young quarterbacks an opportunity that's not afraid to throw the ball, especially to open wide receivers, you know, because there was plenty of opportunities out there and Garantano didn't do it. This is the same thing we talked about Bentley. There was plenty of opportunities here and he did not capitalize. He is not the quarterback for this university. Yeah, and I don't know, this, this game, obviously the Georgia State game was embarrassing. This was a implosion, without a doubt. But they came out with passion, Shane. Proves, I don't know if you saw it in the pregame, but he was fired up. He's pushing guys around, getting them all fired up. And, you know, they came out with some uh, renewed energy, man. And Juwan Jennings, his energy, 
hell, they, they should just throw it to him every single play because he's <laughs> he's going to make a play, you know. Uh, but they were unable to get him the ball for much of the game, and sometimes Garantano was throwing it at BYU guys, and Jennings still caught it somehow. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was this but, was a tough one, Shane. But I don't think you can. The I don't know if this is a silver lining here at all, but the coaches look There's like they have never coached a damn football game against Georgia State, and I think in this one, I think it comes down to just the players just making mistakes. I th- I thought it was a I thought the coaches did a hell of a job for this one. The thing I didn't like about the coaches on this on this last game was the stretch. We kept doing the stretch. And the stretch, when it worked, and we, we wore it out, man. Chandler, there was a couple times he should have scored. Yeah, it, it did seem like he had quite the breakaway speed like he used to have. You know, I think he slowed down a bit. But regardless, we, we had a lot of production running out to the edge, which is great because we got some young linemen in there. Uh, you know, I thought Gray did great uh, for a young running back. I, I think he's going to have real potential. Um, there was a lot of good things that came out of this game, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But the bad is still there. You know what I'm saying? And and they kept doing this 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 run, and eventually it became so predictive. You know, especially in overtime. Okay, we got to do something different. We got to come out with totally different plays. And I'm not calling Cheney out, but. If me, Shane, knows exactly what's coming, you know, uh, in overtime, do you think BYU does? Of course they do. And that's why we ended up settling for a field goal there at the end. Mm-hmm. It was just, uh, I don't know. By the, hey, kicker, whew, you know, we got the best kicker in the nation, Mike. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you that. There's, there's silver lining. Uh, some of the fresh, some of the young talent that we did have out there, I thought did good. And um, But I'm telling you what, man. We blew this one. We blew it bad. Now let's kick it over to Jeremy Pruitt in his post-game shade because I thought this was interesting. Seems like his entire time there, certainly you can make the argument that, you know, they don't have the players, obviously, to compete for anything of meaningful, you know, accomplishment there in the SEC. But I can't recall a single time where Pruitt is, not to say he's throwing, in, throwing anyone under the bus here, but just seems like he's put it all on him in his entire time and his his tune was a little bit different here on Saturday night. You know really that was a that was a great football game. We obviously come out on the wrong end of it. Um, you know it's a it's a tough one to swallow. Um, you know it's hard to hard to figure out how do you lose that game, but then when you start thinking about it there's there's two fourth and ones in the game that we that we don't get. We have two guys running open right before the half uh, for touchdowns that we uh, don't hit and we end up settling for a field goal. We turn the ball over in the red air. We, we don't get a turnover. I've got one turnover in two weeks. Um, you know, and then um, give up a 70-yard play with 17 seconds left on the clock. Uh, so it's, it's hard to figure that one out. It, but, hey, we'll go back. We're going to we, – We'll coach them up, uh, you know, get them where we understand situations better, and uh, we got to execute. But one thing I'll say, there was there was uh, some guys that were fighting out there on both sides of the ball. The one that you don't let them throw it 75 yards in, Jimmy. Well, there's 17 seconds left on the clock, right? Uh, they have no timeouts. Uh, they got to go 60 yards to kick a field goal, or at least 40. So... They can play three plays, right? So you play on top of them. The same defense that we called the previous 
plays when they they lost 12 yards. All right, Shane, so I wanted to ask you, I personally don't have any issues with this, but a lot of people, I don't know, for some reason they always do in college football. Do you have any issue here with Pruitt? I mean, he basically, I mean, he's not calling anyone out by name, but he's basically saying, you know, this corner blew this, this quarterback can't make this throw, this guy can't do this. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's he's calling out the players, putting this one on the players, it seemed like. Well, the mainly the main one that stood out to me was the two open passes that you know that's your quarterback. This is this isn't a this isn't an underclassman. This isn't somebody that's never took snap, snaps before. You know, this is a guy that's been in some big time big time ball games, and he's he's just he just doesn't have it. And you know, I have no problem with calling him out because that's exactly what all the fans that were watching this game saw, man. You, I mean, all it takes is one one time on Twitter to realize who we're not happy with, and it's Garantano. You know what I'm saying? So, and I don't, I don't want to just bash the uh, Jerry, you know, because he's a great kid. He's got some intangibles, you know, but there's some there's some things in him that he doesn't have, and 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 obviously it's going to be one of those seasons that we need a gunslinger out there. You know, we don't need somebody. You know, they brag about his efficiency. Well, when you do five, seven, eight-yard routes all the time, you're going to be efficient. But you're not going to be balanced. Everybody's going to stack the box. Everybody's going to move their uh, DBs up. It's going to be hard to move the ball. If you can't stretch the field, then it hurts everybody. So he doesn't – he just – he doesn't have it, man. Yeah, and I think the biggest concern for me moving forward with Tennessee, the fact that he was so rattled – I mean, just imagine what's going to happen when they go to the swamp or play Alabama or all Absolutely. these other teams. You know what? Absolutely. Give me somebody out there that's not afraid to throw. I'd rather him throw an interception 50 yards down the road than, or 50 yards down the field than, than to go three and out, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, enough of that game. Let's jump to Lexington where Kentucky's 2-0 and on the season. Came away with a 38-17 to win here against Eastern Michigan. But, of course, the biggest news, unfortunately, here in Lexington, Terry Wilson out for the year, Shane. He hurt his left knee. He got a horse collar tackled. And, man, you just hate to hear that. And especially with this big – I mean, they got eight consecutive SEC games coming up, starting with the home game against Florida. There's no good time to lose your starting quarterback, but this is the worst possible time for it to happen. Man, what, what a horrible, horrible play. That was, you know, the horse collaring is illegal. And, yeah, the kid gets 15 yards. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, this kid should this kid should have to sit out as long as Terry has to sit out because this was so stupid and, and uncalled for. I mean, you know you can't do it, and they did it. And, and that's what sucks is, you know, they had this game. They, you know, Terry didn't need to do that. Terry just couldn't turn it off, you know. He's just a football player trying to make a play and, and – uh, Golly, you hate to see, you hate to see this, especially before the Florida game. Mm-hmm. Now, the only thing I think you could say something moving forward to build off here. I mean, very, very efficient on offense. Two hundred twenty-two passes, passing yards, two hundred thirty-nine rushing yards. They were averaging over six yards per carry on thirty-nine carries. That's what they're going to need moving forward. They're going to have to lean on this ground game because they got Sawyer Smith, the graduate transfer from Troy, who actually has, I think he's got about 10 games of starting experience for Troy. Obviously, 
Kentucky and the SEC is a different level, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not like this kid's never played. But they're going to be leaning on this ground game, I would imagine, moving forward, this experienced offensive line. And it seems to be that they got that going. So, uh, yes, you know, expect the Gators to stack the box and try to prevent that. But that's what uh, Kentucky did all last season, and it worked well. And now it's uh, that's going to come down to SEC wins are probably going to come down to whether Sawyer Smith can complete these passes when called upon. Yeah, well, don't get me wrong. Smoke and Rose look good. Yeah, I'm telling you, real good. I, I Out of all the SEC teams, I, other than maybe Georgia, nobody has a better balanced running back field than, uh, than Kentucky right now. I mean, those guys are, are legit. But the problem is Terry is that X factor, man. You know, you saw it last year when they played Florida. He's one of those guys that – Sometimes it's his legs that that make this thing work. So, uh, you, have you heard anything? Have they come out with anything on this? Yeah, it's official. He's out for the year. Shit. Oh, man. No, that sucks. All right, let's kick it over to Mark Stoop, Shane, after the game, talking about uh, Terry Wilson's unfortunate injury and his confidence in Sawyer Smith to get out there and get it done. The, the hit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, that's why it's illegal. You know, that's why it's, it's in the rule. You know, it's, it's illegal. And, uh, I, I, you know, it can happen. It can happen to anybody. You know, I, 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 they run a good program. And, um, you know, Terry's hard to get a hold of. And I'm sure he just reached out and grabbed anything he could. And it's very unfortunate that it's part of our game. But that's, that's why it's in there, you know, because you got to run around full speed like that and get jerked back. And, uh, and he can't handle that. So, what have you seen from Sawyer in practice? Like, no, just, just like you saw out there today, I think uh, with the reps and going with the ones, uh, there was some decision making out there today that I think he'll learn from. Yeah, there were some, um, there were some opportunities, uh, but he can throw the ball. He throws the ball down the field. We have a lot of confidence in him, and, and if he has to go, then and uh, uh, we have confidence in him, and we'll run our offense. All right, Shane, so it was pretty smart of Coach Stoops to get Smith some reps here because he knew he was going to need them. You know, Mm -hmm. final drive, I don't want to say they were, you know, running up the score. Obviously, they had to get this kid some some passing experience, but he throws his second touchdown of the game here as in the closing moments of the the game. Like I said, Sawyer Smith's looking – I mean, he doesn't look like uh, it's too big for him, but obviously next week's going to be a completely different animal. Thoughts on Kentucky's chances without Terry Wilson, just not for the season, but just for this Florida game? Well, Bowden threw the ball too, you know. Let's don't rule that out. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. I, I, w- I would hope that uh, it would not surprise me if we see a little bit of that Wildcat coming up this week because there's some, there's some plays that were designed for Terry to run that, you know, I think somebody like Bowden could come in and, and, and take advantage of so uh, I, I I'm not I do think that it affects the outcome of this of this upcoming game but you know it's hard for me to say that Florida is going to overlook Kentucky because they've had their number here the last couple of years so I don't know man I mean I, I still got to see some more film I mean we saw a small sample size so I, I still need to see some more film on this cat and I am worried a little bit more going into this game than I would be with Terry. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, so let's go to that other side. These these teams are going to meet next week, but uh, let's jump on down to Gainesville. 
where Florida racked up a 45-0 win over UT Martin. And, of course, the Gators just overmatched this team, but they were a little – came out a little sluggish. That's kind of to be expected, I guess, with, uh, you know, two weeks to prepare. And, you know, obviously they would spend all that time on UT Martin. They probably spent most of it on Kentucky, to be honest with you. But it showed here in the first quarter. Uh, Felipe Franks, though, 25 of 27, completed his first 15 throws – I mean, that was pretty impressive. A lot of it was short stuff, but still a very efficient performance. And how about this, Shane? I think uh, I didn't hear this officially, so I'm not saying it happened, but I heard that, uh, you know, before they go into the halftime locker room, the coaches go to the sidelines and they talk with the radio people and and the TV people. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Dan Mullen said fuck during the radio segment. (laughs) And they they didn't have a chance to edit it because he was so fired up that his team was was just not given the effort he wanted. Uh, So it's, I guess it's just kind of the state of of where Florida is right now under Mullen where they're nearly winning by 50 points in a shutout, but he's still pretty fired up uh, by his team's first half performance. Felipe completed his first 15 throws. Good. I think. Yeah. That's, how would you assess Miss his two passes? It seemed like a lot of short stuff, but then it kind of opened it up for Bam. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean, this this is a tough team to throw against. You know, and they're playing drop eight all the time. You know, you're going to have time, but I think that showed his maturity a little bit of taking what they're giving us. You know, making throws. You know, and they're they're they you know they they got eight guys dropping all over the place, and then they got guys running deep. So you don't like okay, throw it deep. No, and then they got five guys underneath in zone coverage. You got, you know, it's they got deep coverage and they got underneath coverage, and you got to really take your time. So I thought he did a good job of uh, really not forcing things. You know, I think he might have missed one or two throws down the field uh, that he had, but also though, you know, I mean, there's no need to force it. Take what they're giving and check it down. If it didn't feel great about it, we talked about some of them on the sideline. You know, I, I think there are some things I, I thought he really improved on from this time last year, and. Uh, I played pretty well. Those are pretty good numbers. Two, two I mean, games. Most people take them, right? I know. I'm sure it's Philippe by Frank since it's Florida and playing quarterback Florida. There'll be a lot. Be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Got a long way to go. He only, you know, he threw two incomplete passes today. <laughs> two, Not two, from you guys, just the general, like everybody. In the world. Two games into the season. Where do you feel the team is? I mean, you guys open SEC yeah, in a week. Yeah, so. we got a long way to go. Uh, but. You know what, it's interesting. You know, the first game was kind of such a unique, special game. I thought, you know, and you come off it. And I thought we cleaned a little bit of things up. Uh, I think we had a lot to clean up off of this game. And we got to take some big steps forward, you know, uh, before next week. We get in a conference play. Now, uh, you know, I, hey, you got, you got to understand human nature, which is, and these guys are 18 to 22 years old. It's, it's hard to peak and motivate yourself to come out. And, you know, that, that the big challenge is, are we giving maximum effort every single day? Um, you know, they, these, these, I mean, these, these I mean, we, we were a little more talented than they were, you know? I mean, they're really well coached. They did an excellent job. Their kids played really hard. We, we just have a little bit more talent. And our guys know that, you know? And so, but now it, it's got to really crank up about 10 notches getting into conference play, especially having to go on the road. And Kentucky's an excellent football team. You know, Mark's done a great job with that program. And, uh, you know, so I think we got to really kind of, kind of crank it up, and it starts on Monday morning when we show up. I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be a greater sense of urgency for us. Um, I think we have a good attitude. I just think we need to have a little, little, a little more grind and sense of urgency to uh, 
to be to be exact in every one of our details. All right, Shane. So <laughs> Dan Mullen's kind of defending Felipe <laughs> Franks. I, th- I thought it was kind of a weird comment again. Seems like he's really kind of, um, I don't know, just kind of, he's very sensitive to what's what's said about Felipe Franks, it sounds like. And I th- I don't think it's Dan Mullen that's necessarily sensitive. I think he knows that Felipe kind of hears all that stuff. So just kind of an interesting comment there, but he knows they're going to have to pick it up when they travel to Kentucky this upcoming weekend. Well, that's one thing about Mullen, man. You've always heard he's the quarterback whisperer, and every quarterback's different. You know, Dak mm-hmm. needed certain things that maybe Felipe doesn't. And one thing about Felipe, and and that I, I'm seeing a lot from Coach, is that he is sensitive. He does care what the media thinks of him. You know, so uh, I think he's going to continue to pump him up. And these little short routes, like you said, that's kind of what this game was—a lot of dink and dunk, but. I will say this, man. The, the the biggest thing that concerns me with Florida is not Felipe, man. It's this running game. I thought UT Martin, they would have gone crazy. And now they had some good runs, but you're going against Kentucky defense, which, you know, hasn't been stellar. But one thing they have been good at is stopping the rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be the biggest question mark going into this one because I think Florida is going to have a major advantage you know, I don't want to break the game down too much, but uh, yeah. Florida receivers against Kentucky defensive backs, that should be a mismatch for Florida. So, you know, you really got to think that uh, Kentucky's not going to be able to, to stack the box. So it's going to come down to the fact whether Florida can run on a light Kentucky box, and if they can't, uh, we may have ourselves another classic between these two. Absolutely. I mean, if you take Iverson's run out, there there really wasn't there wasn't a lot of production on that. I thought for sure they would have one, maybe two hundred yard rushers in this game, and and I didn't see that. You know, I saw a lot more of Felipe, and I don't know. Maybe that was a built in plan. Dan wanted to just kind of get his mind right going into this next game, but I don't know. Maybe maybe I am reading a little into that. All right, Shane. Let's jump to Missouri, where the Tigers responded about as well as you could coming off that uh, stunning opening season loss at Wyoming. They beat West Virginia 38-7, to and this game was not even that close, if you want to be <laughs> honest. I mean, they shut them down uh, after, you know, Wyoming really gashed them on the ground. West Virginia had 30 rushing yards in this game, but I will note that uh, West Virginia couldn't even run on James Madison. So this is clearly not that good of a running team. But that's exactly what you want to see if you're Missouri, uh, shutting that down. And Kelly Bryant, Shane, I mean, this guy, mm-hmm. he was built up all offseason. I think he's better than we hyped him up. I mean, he's just he's almost impossible to bring down. Mm-hmm. He's throwing it all over the yard. And this this is what they're looking for. They're not, you know, don't make the stupid plays. No interceptions, no fumbles for Kelly Bryant in this one. And you get to really see what he's capable of in a game like this. I know West Virginia is not a great opponent, but now they got a couple of these not great opponents coming up. They can build some confidence before they get into SEC play. Yeah, man. I, I thought I thought Kelly looked great. I thought this whole offense looked good. I thought the defense looked better. Uh, this is a kind of what you and I were talking about. We thought that they would get back on, on track this week and – now, West Virginia's bad, dude. You know, this ain't the West Virginia of last year for sure. But, um, you know, there were some there were some things I really liked seeing. I, I liked 
I thought Roundtree looked better this week. I thought Albert O just solidified that he's the best damn tight end in this league, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a beast mode, and you you mentioned Larry Roundtree. That's something Barry Odom hit on. Shit, I never heard this this word before. Energy force. That's <laughs> that's what old Barry Odom had to say about Larry Roundtree, and he also talked about uh, his team's improved rush defense. It's one of those ECW wrestling names or something, you know. <laughs> Well, we eliminated any big plays. You know, last week I think we gave up a 65 and a 71 on back-to-back plays, and that you know, we're too good of a defense to allow that to happen. And uh, I think our, our kids settled in and understand, and we talked a lot this week about trust and about faith and trusting each other, believing it, doing it, executing it. And um, you know, they played with more energy. They played with more passion. Uh, they understood the situation. They understood the call. They played fast. Again, our staff did a heck of a job defensively on putting together a plan for them to go play the way they did. I know you said on Tuesday you had no concerns about how Larry would respond, but how big a difference is that when he might be uh, as as strong of a of an energy force that, that we have. It's a strange word, but the pulse of our team uh, a lot of times will go with Larry. And that's in the locker room, that's on the field, that's practice habits, that's his body language. And then watching him finish and runs today um, is what we needed. Well, Shane, Missouri would have beat Wyoming if they played this well against the run. So, they, you know, it's great to see they got that corrected. And you know, Larry Roundtree, they couldn't really get him going against Wyoming either. So uh, this is two things they really needed to get corrected here. And, uh, you know, if they can do this more consistently, maybe that Wyoming game would just be a fluke. I mean, that was kind of a weird one anyway, just opening mm-hmm. there at Wyoming. I still, I'm not jumping off the bandwagon here. I think if uh, Missouri can continue to do these things, uh, at 13 tackles for loss, Shane, this defense needs to be aggressive like that. And, and once they do that, they're just night and day different. Absolutely. Before conference play, this is this is exactly a game they needed to get – get back on track. So, um, you know, this is the Missouri we were talking about all off season. I just think they were a, they were a game late in finding it. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, being a little late here, Shane, let's jump on down to Auburn where, man, they forgot uh, the <laughs> offense was late to the damn game. They, I, I don't even think they had a first down in the first quarter, Shane. They they Ugh. did win the game 24-6. to six. This was a sloppy, ugly game. The clock, uh, it <laughs> like, broke or something. I, didn't, I was watching the game. I didn't even know what, what time, what quarter we were in. None of that was operational. But I wasn't missing much because Bo Nix, it's kind of like I predicted, Shane. Obviously, the big uh, game-winning throw he had against Oregon, but – he was kind of shaky in this one. They they took him a long time to get the running game going. I, I'm not selling stock on Bo Nix. I think he's going to be outstanding. But yeah. uh, Auburn had a had a really tough time finding its legs here on offense. And uh, after a very sluggish start, this, this was not a very impressive win, but one that I cautioned it was going to be like this because uh, that was just such an emotional win week one over Oregon. Yeah, you and me both. I just – you knew it was gonna. You knew there was going to be one of these games coming. And honestly, uh, I I I thought they did better in the long run. I thought this game would actually be closer. You know, even though it was an eighteen point affair, I really thought this was going to be a three point game. If you remember my projections, so mm-hmm. 
One thing that really stood out to me, though, is uh, the running game. I mean, defense did great. They they Auburn defense is legit, and they they showed up. They they honestly won this game. But this this running back situation, you know, everybody's talking about Knicks and stuff. I really think they need to get this thing figured out before they get in the conference play because, you know, not only did he have trouble running, but he also had trouble holding on to the ball you know he had three fumbles and i think he lost two of them so mm-hmm. you, you definitely can't have that going into like i said sec play no and uh, seth williams their receiver the one that made the game winning play there at oregon he got hurt in this game don't know the severity of it but it looks like he's going to be out for a little while on the bright side though will hastings showed up first touchdown he's had since 2017 after missing all last season uh, so you kind of be losing one receiver, you're getting another here, but um, didn't Hastings get hurt? Uh, I, I think he did, but uh, not nothing major. I think they just took him out because oh, okay, they knew old Tulane wasn't gonna <laughs> score <laughs> on him again. You know what yeah, I mean? The Green Wave. <laughs> so let's jump over here to Gus Malzahn where he's talking about uh, Auburn's issues running the ball early kind of like we saw against Oregon, and on uh, Will Hastings' return. Yeah, you know, I think the big thing is in the first half, there was a lot of runs for like a yard or no yards, and I think that was really, you kind of get behind the change. We got to do a better job of running the football on first down, you know, whatever, what, no matter what scheme it is as far as that goes. And when we're able to do that, we get in a rhythm. And, um, you know, I think you saw that in the second half, and you didn't see that in the first half. But... Uh, you know, like I said, we were able to to make some adjustments and do a better job in the second half. Yeah, well, I think that has to do with we've got to run the football better, and um, you know, and like I said, I think the big thing just looking at it is just you know, first down, we got to get some positive yards and, and get us in and not behind the chains, and that would have helped. But no, that's not good when your quarterback has to throw it that many times in the first half. All right, Shane. So Gus kind of hit on it there. This is uh, now they got another. Easy game here before they get into SEC play next week when they play Kent State. But uh, they need to get this corrected uh, before SEC play because they play like this in conference. This is just not winning football. No. No. Again, with Whitlow, I, you remember the program when yep. uh, Omar, you know, he uh, he went by Jefferson or something, I think. Wait, let me see. Yeah, Darnell, I think. Darnell Jefferson? I don't know. It's been a while since I watched it. But remember, he kept fumbling the ball, so coach made him carry that football around on campus. And if he, you know, if it got knocked out or anything like that, even during class, they were jumping on it. That's what they got to do with Whitlow here. They got to get that ball security back. So uh, can't, it definitely can't have the turnovers. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to South Carolina where the Gamecocks, man, they took care of business. This, this game was a laugher. Charleston Southern scored 10. Gamecocks scores 72, Shane. <laughs> this is an all-time high of the South Carolina program for yards, 775. Uh, that's an all-time high as well for Will Muschamp, coach team. And your guy here, Ryan Halinski, Shane, I mean, he was gunning. He 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 looked legit against Charleston Southern. It's going to be a different story next week against Alabama. But, <laughs> um, I mean, he looked great. And this offense was unstoppable against uh, this this caliber of opponent. But uh, how impressed were you with just, you know, obviously they didn't show much in the opener here, and, and they had everyone jumping off the bandwagon. Now everyone's back on it. 
Yeah, dude. I'll tell you, man, I watched this and I was like, golly, how exciting. How excited are Gamecock fans right now? You know, they they were they were in bad shape last week, man. And then Helensky comes out. He looks like God's gift to football, son. And they are all pumped up. But I, I do want to tamper expectations because <laughs> I saw a tweet uh, that come out. And one of the listeners, he put... It says it is. Uh, we're playing Charleston Southern. We're playing Charleston Southern. We're playing Charleston Southern. <laughs> Damn, Holinsky looks good. We're playing Charleston <laughs> Southern. <laughs> so uh, you know you got to you got to remember you are playing Charleston Southern and, uh, and 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 don't forget, man. Just what was it? Four years ago? Three years ago? Bentley came out against Tennessee <laughs> and he looked like God's gift to football as well. So and here we are, but. I will say uh, he he definitely did look the part. Uh, South Carolina's offense was just unstoppable, man. Yeah, I was going to say that he's he looks like the best freshman quarterback South Carolina's <laughs> had since Jake Bentley. Exactly. <laughs> so, so let's kick it over to Muschamp after this game. He had a lot to say on Halinski. Obviously, uh, he sounds pretty fired up about his freshman. How much of what, how much of what you saw from Ryan today translates to next week and into SEC play, and how much of it? Does he need to do better considering the quality? Of well, him? I think, you know, obviously you got, you have to always take in the quality of the opponent. That's that's something you always got to understand and where you are. But, uh, you know, again, I thought he handled himself extremely well for a first start. I mean, I've had defensive players and players that played other positions offensively, much less being the quarterback, have nerves walking out there in, in that environment. So, uh, obviously, he handled the moment extremely well and, and will continue to progress and do the things he feels comfortable with moving forward. And, and because he is so bright and intelligent, he'll be able to handle a lot. Negative people, it helps you handle kind of the day and age we live in nowadays in social media. That's, that's kind of what it is. And uh, and he had a, his family's been through, a, I mean, just a tragic situation. And, and he's lived that public life. So obviously, um, he's handled it tremendously well, and I'm very proud of him today. Obviously, but since he's been, we've recruited him from day one, and Mark and Kim and and, and the entire family has been, uh, you know, outstanding in the entire process. With Ryan, just how much of the offense were you able to call with him in there? Just what do you? percentage-wise, and I guess where's the room for growth for him moving forward? Well, I think there's room for growth, but, I, but I'm not going to sit there and say that we're spoon-feeding him. We're, we're, the guy can handle what we're doing. I mean, the guy's extremely bright. He's been here through spring. He's been through through an entire installation in the summer. He went through training camp. So it's not – I think it's easier for a younger player, especially at that position, when you start dwindling down to game plan, and that that's not as vast as the entire playbook. So we're able to really narrow down – the scope of things of what we're asking him to do in, in the ball game, as far as the decisions that need to be made. So, I thought he played. I thought we played well with tempo today. I think that helps him. He likes playing fast. Uh, that's some, one of the things he pointed out to us that that's something he felt more comfortable doing. We went with that in the second series and a little bit in the first series. Um, but again, I think uh, we'll continue to, uh, you know, expand what we do moving forward. All right, Shane. So, must champ, putting a lot on the kids' shoulders here, but. Uh... Not necessarily in this game, but upcoming here. Let's kick it over to Alabama because that's who they play next, Shane. And, man, Alabama, as you'd expect, just destroyed the hell out of New Mexico State. Scored a 75-yard touchdown on the very first play from scrimmage, Shane, 62-10. to And how about that? They didn't even damn cover. I knew that was stupid to pick them in the points, but 
<laughs> 52, you'd think he'd get it done, but uh, Alabama rolled. But my, my biggest thing, Shane, I'm just going to keep hammering this home. They did not look that good to me on the ground, and they're mm-hmm. playing New Mexico State, and that's a, that's a major concern for me. Do you, you know, but it felt like a lot of times, like they knew that Alabama was going to try to run. And I think maybe that's why Tua and Judy and all them were so effective on the outside because there's a lot of one on one matchups and they're going to win that every time. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to say what you're saying is wrong because again, even if there's eight in the box and you've got eight, you should still be able to move the ball a lot more efficient than they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they piled up a, a ton of yards here, so I'm not, I'm not saying they can't run, but this is, again, this is damn New Mexico state, you mm-hmm. know, but I'm, I'm curious how they're going to look, I guess, uh, LSU, A&M, Georgia, Clemson, mm-hmm. like these are the teams I'm worried about. Can they run on them? They may not have to, but uh, last year it kind, you know, it kind of those those receivers got neutralized pretty damn quick there in the playoff game. So yeah, uh, they've got to get that going. I'm still not uh, crazy about what I'm seeing here. Najee Harris, for example, uh, 12 carries, 68 yards. I mean that's respectable, but again, you're playing damn New Mexico here. Yeah. Brian, Brian Robinson, 11 for 57. Um, you get, just they just got to get that going if they're going to make some noise here. And uh, my favorite thing after this one, Shane, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this game because it was a damn joke. But that's kind of what Nick Saban was asked about after the game, and <laughs> he was asked about the level of competition there, and he went off. What do you think of? Um, what do you get out of a game like this? And do you think this kind of level of competition can get you ready for an SEC game a week later? Well, look. I've talked about this before, all right, so we, we try to schedule the best teams that we can schedule, and uh, we're trying to do that in the future as well. Um, but we, we, have, we can only play the people who are willing to play us. I, I've said my opinion about playing 12 Power 5 schools, that's what I would rather do. So, but a lot of other people don't agree with that. I'd rather play 10 SEC games and then play two other Power 5 schools. So all the games are exciting for the fans. All the games are good football. You wouldn't have to go undefeated to get in the playoffs because you'd play a more quality schedule. I've been through and covered that ground a hundred times. So do I think we can get better in games like this? I do. If you approach the game right and you practice the right way and you prepare and you have the right focus and you play to your standard, you can get better playing anybody. Would I rather play other teams? No disrespect to New Mexico State. Their coach works hard. Their players played hard. But if it's my philosophy that we should play 12 Power 5 schools, I'd say the answer to that would be yes. But that's a philosophical answer. All right? And that's not the way it is. All right, so I don't know why you would ask me that question, as if I could do something about it when I can't do anything about it. So we're playing the best teams that we can get to play us. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. All right, Shane, so I think we we may have to save this clip. This is, this is going to be an all-timer here, but uh, – oh, yeah. Uh, Saban's asking asking us to start. We got to start making some calls so that Alabama can play some tough competition, Shane? 
Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. I wish my coach was half as angry as, as he is about a 50-point victory. You know what I'm saying? He is just – he is mad. He's like – I don't know if he knew these questions were – I'm sure he knew these questions were going to come. But but you cannot tell me that Alabama could not find tough, tougher competition. I know Saban's saying all of this, you know, but – Maybe he doesn't want to give up a home and a home. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm sure he could find somebody in the Big Ten that'd be like, you know what? Yeah, we'll do it if you come here one year. You know, he doesn't want to do that. Uh, and or maybe he does. Maybe this is something that they're working on because if you look in the future scheduling, it does look like it's getting a little bit tougher. Uh, but I don't know, man. I mean, if we we played Georgia State last week. You know what I'm saying? There's there's other teams. It's just people look at Nick Saban in Alabama and expect more from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would be curious to know if uh, some of the better – I know he doesn't want to even be playing any of these non-Power Fives, but I wonder if teams like Boise State and, yeah. and, and you know quality opponents – that not that they'd beat Alabama, but I think they would give them a damn game for a minute, you know, <laughs> not, yeah. not, not give up a 75 yard touchdown on the first play from screen. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh man. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Mississippi state where the Bulldogs two and O on the season. They beat uh, Southern miss 38, 15. And uh, the final score I think was not even indicative of this game either. But the biggest news here, Shane, Tommy Stevens injured. This was kind of a weird one. I mean, he was gunning out here. He was 9 of 10, 102, uh, 105 passing yards, two touchdowns. He looked great. And then he was just kind of holding his shoulder. It was weird, and he just came off, and he never returned. doesn't seem like it's that serious, but you'd think you lose your starting quarterback, cause for concern. Out comes the freshman Garrett Schrader, and Mississippi just continues to roll uh, the star of the show here, Kylan Hill, 123 rushing yards. He still leads the SEC in rushing yards on the season. Again, Shane, I mean, this thing could have got crazy out of hand if I think if Tommy Stevens was in there the whole time. But uh, very impressed here of Mississippi State. And they just keep grinding away. And uh, this is a sleeping team here. Not saying they're going to win the SEC this year, but um, you know there was a lot of questions about them this year. And I think they've answered a lot of them so far. Dude, we're just two games in, and I don't want to get premature, but I'll tell you what, at this moment, this given moment, Hill is the best running back in this conference. I mean, did you see some of the plays he was making? The kid is a highlight reel right now. Yeah, I mean, he's busting tackles. He's jumping over people. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's anything he can't do. And, you know, this, this is a kid that was really touted in his recruiting, and I don't want to say he didn't live up to it, but. You think when you get this high-profile running back at a school like Mississippi State, he'd just come on the scene and be gangbusters, and he wasn't necessarily, but he really started to come on last year. He's taken that to an entire new level this year. I think you might be right, Shane. I mean, uh, there's going to be some other backs around the SEC that that can fight for that title, but uh, the way Mississippi State's kind of constructed here, I think there's an outstanding chance that Kylan Hill finishes the season as the SEC's leading rusher because I think he's going to get more carries than most guys. Yeah, for sure. Now, have you heard anything about Tommy's injury? No, I mean, uh, Moorhead was asked about it. He didn't sound too concerned, and the, the backup, Garrett Schrader, was asked about it, and he said Tommy should be fine, but I don't know. He's not a doctor. so <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I have That's no true. idea, but – 
all it just seems like it's not an issue, but it's very odd because he, he walked back to the locker room on his own power, and then he just came out with no pads on. Maybe they just decided to shut him down, but I don't know if you shut a starting quarterback down at halftime. But they weren't going to lose this game. They were up twenty-one to zero, but I don't know. I don't if they were if they started losing, would they put him back in? I I that I do not know. Now, KT, he's back on the team, right? He's I mean, was he dressed out for this game? He was. He had on like a yellow hat. I don't know. Moorhead said he was available. The broadcast said he was not available. So I don't know what the deal was with that. But I think the fact that he was not necessarily, you know, he kind of came along slowly. I mm-hmm. think maybe he just wasn't in tune with the game plan that week. I do not know. But I would think uh, it'd be interesting if if Tommy Stevens can't go, and this is going to be a big game, Kansas State, you know, that's a team you can't take lightly for Mississippi State. If he, if Tommy Stevens cannot go, I'll be fascinated to see who they roll out here because you think it would be Keaton, but maybe they're, maybe they're holding that red shirt, you know, where like he's saying, I don't want to play because I don't want to burn my red shirt. But at the same time, you, what happens if you start the true freshman and he has a horrible game and they, and they need him to go out there? I mean, I don't, I don't really know what the answer is there. I'm just kind of talking out loud here, but that's kind of something yeah. to monitor there. And I think, I think honestly, Joe, if if I was a gambling man, which I am, I think Joe would be more keen than letting KT burn his red shirt than Schrader because he does like Schrader. But as a true freshman, you know, it'd be nice to not have him in there more than four games, man. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, jump over to Moorhead real quick here on Garrett Schrader. And once again, he's very high on this kid. I mean, this is the, the future of Mississippi State football, it sounds like. For you. Yeah, that, that, that's one thing. Been recruiting Garrett for a long, long time now, and his decision to come to Mississippi State um, and enroll as a mid-year, and I think that's one of the benefits for a quarterback who could come and get that extra semester in, in preparation. That, that since I've known him, you know, he's a guy that the situation is never too big for him. So when, when Tommy was down and we said, you're in, you know, he didn't have those, you know, big deer in the headlight eyes. He just went in there and was like, all right, let's call it. And we got in at halftime. We talked about a couple of plays maybe he necessarily wasn't comfortable with because he didn't get a ton of reps during the during the week. But, I mean, for a true freshman to come in and, and operate the way he did, I believe it was 7 for 11, you know, ran the ball pretty well. Uh, you know, I, I was happy with how he was able to just step in there. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was tough. So, so, someone asked that the other day just in terms of style and things like that. And, uh. Now, I don't know if it's necessarily fair to compare him to the last guy I coached, but, I mean, Colin has that kind of ability. But uh, the thing that I could say about him is he's got small back skill and a big back body. You don't usually see a guy that's built like him uh, that can make people miss in space and hurdle people and catch the ball and, and do some of those things in the open field that a you know 200-plus pound guy you know, really shouldn't do. But also he, he showed last week and this week that he can uh, – when it's blocked up for one or two or three, he could turn that into four or five. So, and he's worked on his hands. He's worked on his pass protection. I can't say enough about his development, his maturity, his approach to the game, uh, how he studied. Terry's done a great job with him. You know, understanding that he does have some deficiencies coming out last year that he needed to work on, and he addressed them. And I think what you're seeing now is that the I talk about him being a breakout player this season. I think uh, he's kind of he's um, reaping the rewards of his of his hard work in the offseason. All right, Shane, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the first guy, as soon as Joe Moorhead got the job, Shane, the first guy he called for recruiting was Garrett Schrader because it looked like he was going to go to Penn State to play for him. Mm-hmm. But I'm obviously here at Mississippi State now. So these two have a long history, and uh, you can kind of you can kind of get that from what he's saying here, can't you? 
Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, and honestly, I I thought so in spring ball when he was out there. Just some of the stuff he was saying. He was he's really excited about the future of this quarterback, and honestly, could be the future of Mississippi State. So that's why I I, I don't see. I I hope that he doesn't burn a red shirt. I hope it's not like a five game thing. You know, I hope Tommy stays healthy, obviously, but. Uh, I need KT to come along and be the backup if something does happen because even even as talented as he is, he's still a freshman. I would rather have somebody that has game time experience come in and lead my ball club. All right, Shane, let's jump over here to Vanderbilt where the Commodores fall at Purdue 42-24. to Shane, if I would have told you heading into this one that Vanderbilt would limit Purdue to 31 rushing yards – and Riley Neal would throw for 378 yards. <laughs> I mean, how many do you think Vanderbilt was going to win this game by? Oh, dude, what an absolute just freaking mess this game was. Vanderbilt had the opportunity to win the games. Purdue got lucky a few times. I mean, mm-hmm. Neal, Neal at times, honestly, I swear, in the first half, I was – I was, I was, was it Neal or was it Deuce? No, 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 it was, it was – I mean, Deuce, they they both played. I think Neil started. Deuce came in for a little bit, and then Neil finished the game. Is that right? Yep. Okay, because when he got benched for Deuce, Neil was at an all-time low. There was plenty of times that they just could not sustain drives. The defense did fantastic, but then they'd give up a big play. Uh, that inter- that that one touchdown, I thought it was a pick, and it went like barely <laughs> over the dude's hands. And I'm just like – golly what is going on here so it was just a case of everything all the all the breaks went Purdue's way uh Vanderbilt should have won this thing believe it or not Mm -hmm. yeah you give up 500 passing yards though Rondell Moore went off on the fourth quarter uh Purdue most of their points came in the second half Vanderbilt just kind of collapsed here and Mm -hmm. uh Derek Mason was kind of fired up about it asked about Riley Neal's big performance he didn't really give a damn Riley Neal threw for almost 400 yards. Is it quite a second game for him after the Georgia game? Yeah, you know, I mean, like to me, it doesn't matter, you know, I mean, that he threw for 400 yards. We, we, we left so much production out there. We got to run the ball better. Got to be better up front. I mean, I, I, I can't even start to grab all those little things. I'll do that after the fact. Right now, man, man we lost a football game. So I'm not going to go into the idea that Riley Neal threw for, four, for 400 yards because if you ask me, he should have threw for 600. All right, Shane, I mean, I see why Mace was all fired up here, but because his defense and it's his unit, you know, they fell apart here. But uh, it's kind of interesting that Riley Neal kind of found his footing. And, I I mean, that's big for Vanderbilt moving forward. They, yes, they're coming up. They do get a bye week, Shane, but then they get LSU on the other side of it. So, Oh, man. But after that, it gets kind of more manageable, and at least they got a quarterback to build around here. Yeah, I mean, say what you want. He did – but the game was already out of hand by the time he started being really efficient. So, but uh, he did look a lot better second half than he did the first. So, like you said, there's a lot to to build off of. All right, Shay. Final game we got to touch on here: Georgia beat the piss out of Murray State, 63-17. This game was actually tied up at uh, the end of the first quarter, Shane. It was seven-seven, but then Georgia turned it on. I scored 35 points in the second quarter and. Uh, Kirby got to empty the bench on this one, Shane. Just about everybody <laughs> on the roster, even the walk-ons, got to play here. And, uh, I mean, there's not much to take away from this one, just a total team effort. I mean, they just dismantled this team like you imagine they would. 
But uh, George Pick and Shane made some plays, made some, made a great dive and catch. And, uh, you know, very young into his career, Shane. He's already he leading Georgia in catches, receiving, and all that. Uh, so I just wanted to share this note here from Kirby on his true freshman receiver, George Pickens. Looked like you had a really good view of George Pickens' diving catch there on the sideline. Wasn't too far from you. Uh, he made several good plays. Can you talk about his, his play? Is that what you guys have been seeing in practice all along? Yeah, George has stepped up and begun to be, starting to become an overall player, meaning probably the most impressive thing he did today was a block on DeAndre Swift's long run. He, uh, he did a great job uh, going down and digging the safety out and it sprung Swift. And when you can do that as a freshman, that's more impressive to me than diving and catching the ball. Um, and uh, he's, he's grown as a player. He's got to learn to control his emotions a little bit. He's very emotional. He's a passionate player. I don't ever want to take that away from him because I think that is what makes him who he is. Um, but he's got to be smart and play within our system and uh, understand that just because you make a play, you know, you can't talk to the opponent. All right, Shane, I just, I just really love this. You asked Kirby about his five-star freshman receiver, and he's like, yeah, he played well. He blocked well on that big run. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> like that's, where, that's where Kirby's at with this kid, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a talented. He, he's probably the next A.J. Green, but – he ain't going to see the field if he don't run block well. That's you know what right, I mean? man. <laughs> hey, dude, I'm telling you, some of the best receivers, you know, are – I mean, you've got to learn this stuff. It can't just be about catching balls, you know. So uh, – and that's that's the thing about being young is being able to do that that run blocking scheme. So know, know your assignments. And, and it, like you said – this is probably one of the games I watched the least amount of, to be honest with you. I mean, this thing got – I mean, it was over. They could, I'll tell you what, man, Georgia's defensive front <laughs> looked amazing. Of course, I, I mean, it's Mason. So, I mean, you kind of expected that. And uh, they came out, did what they were supposed to, put the team away, uh, had a couple of highlights, but it's kind of still a conservative game. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, Shane, I just can't wait for these damn non-conference games to end because yeah. <laughs> I cannot handle 13 games on at one, one day <laughs> SEC. I need I need eight max to, to my, otherwise my brain is just fried by the end of Saturdays. <laughs> yes. So with all these other games going on, it was really hard to bounce back to Georgia. I, I really did try, but uh, it, it was just no contest, man. Well, I'll tell you what, let's get on the phone. We'll make sure that uh, Kirby and Nick and all these teams got someone decent to play because they ain't going to schedule it unless we we make these calls, Shane. But uh, <laughs> once we do that, we'll have some better action to talk about. But uh, I'm ready, just ready for another week here. we got a couple SEC games week three, so we're going to break yeah. that down obviously all week. But uh, this one went a little long, Shane. I think that's going to do it for this one. Thank you, as always, for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, don't please don't forget to give us a five star hearts and uh, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That really that really does help the podcast out. Absolutely, guys. And I appreciate all the support. I got a lot of love, man. After that game, and uh, a lot of text, a lot of tweets, and and it didn't go unrecognized. I may not have responded to it, but sometimes you just need a moment. You know, a lot of people want to know about the emergency broadcast. And uh, I was close to doing it, but it was extremely late. And uh, promised my daughter I'd, I'd watch a movie with her. You know, I I I did. I just wanted to get away from football. So um, I appreciate all the support. Uh, but anyway, new week. That was behind us. 
Uh, we got some great games coming up week three. Well, not really. <laughs> week three's coming. <laughs> we got some really good games week three, but uh, uh, I mean, hell, anything's right now. I mean, think about it. It wasn't that long ago. It was June, and we were just itching for something, you know. So I'm going to be watching every second of uh, football Saturday as well. So, uh, all right, that long ramble. Appreciate you guys. Go Vols. <laughs>